Warning, the following podcast may contain the following offensive words or phrases. Shit. Fuck. Cunt. Pussy. Ass Tom Brady crack ass nigga! Thank you. Welcome to the Weird Fucking Podcast. We're built for comfort and not for speed. good man what's good this is the wedge buffy podcast where we're built for comfort and not for speed man this day evening we got a very very special guest man one of my personal favorite uh one of my favorite from one of my favorite groups of all time formerly and um and honestly he had a, a great 2015 uh rapper big poop what's going on brother yeah, yeah. what's good with you man Hey man, um, I'm I'm just uh, appreciative of you coming through. You know what I mean? Uh, calling up and and, and doing this for us, man. Uh, no problem, man. You know, I, I like to get down, do as much stuff as I can. That's what's up, man. So you're you're from you're from VA, right? Yep, from Virginia, Northern Virginia. Okay, so like Nova, so 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 are you? You're, you're um sports wise, you you kind of gravitate toward the the uh the Washington teams. Is that is that a good assessment? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I stick with the home teams. All right, all right. That's what's up, man. So, so what? What part of Virginia, exactly? Like what part uh, of Nova? I, I grew up in Alexandria and Fairfax, so I, I grew up mostly in Alexandria, and I went to high school in uh in Reston, actually in South Lake High. Okay, okay. So, so when did you start rapping? Like, give me the the crash course and how you became rapper Big Pooh. Um, I mean, I, I, I dabbled in it, you know, even when I was coming up, you know, younger. Um, but then, like, by the time I really hit high school, it was more of a, a thing where I was just writing things, like writing poetry, writing short stories or whatever. Um, the rap of Big Pooh thing didn't really come until I got to college. And that's when I, college in North Carolina, and that's when I met, you know, a group of guys that, you know, took. Or, or, or paid attention to music way more seriously than I did. And at the time, I, you know, amongst my friends who I grew up with, I was the guy that took music seriously. But when I met these guys, I found out I was a novice. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, uh, you know, when I met them, I became more immersed in, in the music period and um, started taking my writing more seriously. And then, you know, Little Brother and all that came of that, you know, came shortly after. Okay, so that group of guys was the uh, Justice League and um, and those guys there. Yeah, not necessarily the. I mean, there was it wasn't. I didn't even meet start to meet a lot of the guys from the Justice League years later, but uh, okay. definitely it was you know Fonte, it was Nice, it was um, a guy at our dorm, Joe Wright. It was uh, um, you know a whole bunch of other cats like that we ran with. Sean Dog was in the mix, so it was a whole bunch of other cats that. You know, we kind of ran with at the time that didn't end up becoming a part of the Justice League. Okay, and and so you you guys were kind of on the front end of uh, what the the 
internet technology as far as um a lot of a lot of your your, your stuff spread by word of mouth. Is that correct? Yeah, that's definitely correct. Um, when we first really started, um, you know, this is before everybody had you know laptops in their room. This is before smartphones. Hell, this is before uh, most people even had a cell phone huh. uh, in college. You know what I'm saying? And uh, uh, it was it was the, the beginning of the message board, uh-huh. uh, like that. That was the beginning of that. So you know, we had what we had in college. We had like college connection. Uh, Black Planet, you know, mm. it, it was the message board area, and uh, uh, era, excuse me, and that's that's when we kind of got started, um, just you know, talking to different people across the world on message boards, and um, this is before blogs and the thing, you know, before all of that, and uh, so even when our music got put up on somebody's website, um, you know, we were mad, we were offended. Like, mm. you know, we said that to you in confidence. Like, that wouldn't be to put up for the world to hear. Like, you know, we still ran by the old school rules, you know what I mean? So, <laughs> um, so that, you know, that that kind of happened on that. I mean, it turned out for the best, but that wasn't how it was supposed to play out. Yeah, I, I remember you guys got noticed. Uh, I think it was with Qu- Quest Love posted something about you guys that kind of went crazy. Yeah, that's it came off of... Um, this guy, we had sent some of the records to get his opinion, feedback, you know, had met him on the message board. And, uh, you know, uh, Fonte had, uh, grew, you know, him and Fonte, you know, formed a relationship and, uh, had sent him some music just to get his honest feedback. And, uh, he ended up putting the, uh, the music up on his site and, uh, Quest Love, like, you know, at the time we all met on the message board, the Roots message board, the Ocean Player. Yeah. So, you know, the guy was familiar with, um, I mean, Questlove was familiar with who he was and he used to go on his site and check for music he posted. That was one of the jobs he posted. Okay, and then and then LB took off and, you know, the, the classic The Listening Joint um, came out and the internet went nuts. Y'all, y'all had the internet going nuts. Um, and I, I, that's when I, when I caught y'all. And then um, y'all progressed from there and y'all ended up getting signed to Atlantic for the second album? Yeah, we, uh, you know, that's the funny thing. A lot of people don't even know, but, um, you know, at the time we were, you know, we were getting courted by a whole bunch of the ladies. Uh, we took meetings at Job Records with Chris Lighty, rest in peace. We took meetings with, uh, Kyle Wiley out in LA at Warner Brothers. Um, you know, uh, Sony had called us. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was when we, by the time we ended up going with Atlantic, that was actually the second time that Atlantic had reached out to so, um, so you know, we were getting quarter heavily at the time, and it was just a thing. We weren't really in control of where we landed. Uh, we were already in the independent deal for um, for two more albums. So uh, the, the, the guy who ran the independent label, um, you know, he kind of had to, to say so on, on where we went. Ah, uh, that's crazy. Yeah, because, yeah, I mean, Atlantic wasn't even where we wanted to go. You know uh. what I'm saying? So... Uh, we wanted to run it. We wanted to go to Jive and run with Chris Lighty. Obviously, you know we knew Chris Lighty knew what he was doing. So um, right, uh, you know that. But Atlantic, you know, it ended up being Atlantic. Huh? Um, and then the story happened with that that album. Uh, supposedly had gotten four and a half uh, mics, and then the rating got changed, and people went crazy. And then yeah, man, it, it was just a crazy time, man. I think. 
you know, just releasing an album called The Mystery Show <laughs> at that time was, was, you know, was taboo. Right. And, uh, you know, it caused different types of controversy. And one of them was, I, you know, as far as the source was concerned, I think it was more of a thing of, you know, not really how good the record was or was It was just a thing of, we weren't big time artists. Mm. And, you know, that's when the politics really started to play heavy because it was like, we can't give guys who aren't big time artists a perfect album rate. Hmm. Like, that wouldn't look good to artists that are big time. And, it, you know, that's when we started to really realize that it wasn't so much about the music anymore. It was, it was becoming more about the politics, who you know and who know what, things of that nature. So it was disheartening. You know, to, to learn that that way, but um, that's the game, man. Yeah. Um. So, like the the group dynamic, of course, you're you're not. Well, you still, you kind of are in the in that right now. But the the group dynamic. Um. What, what are like the best parts of being in a group? Um. I mean, I think the best parts is having other people to really um, play off of, people to uh, be inspired by. And, not being counted on to have to do it all yourself. You don't have to carry all the weight. Um, whether that's uh, in um, performing, uh, recording, whatever it is, you don't have to carry all of the weight. And just that camaraderie uh, is definitely, uh, you know, some of the best things about being in the group. Okay, and then, and and then the worst parts. Uh. I don't know if I call them the worst, but just just having to uh, compromise. Um, uh-huh. And when you have to compromise, you know, you got to compromise a lot of things. It's like being in a relationship. I think that's what a lot of people fail to realize about being in a group. Being in a group is like being in a relationship. And the more people in that group, that means the more people that in that relationship. And, you know, everybody has their opinions on how things should be done. Everybody has a direction they want to go. And, um, you know, it becomes tough, like, to, to, to continuously compromise um, part of who you are for the greater good of the whole. And some people, you know, some groups get that, and, you know, they learn how to stay together, regardless of what their friendship ends up being like down the line, and some don't. But, um, you know, I always compare it to that because that's exactly what it is. So even when people... You know, to this day, be like, man, I need to get over the BS and make music. Like, all they really focused on is the music part. And not really focused on the personal relationship part. And it's just like me telling you, that, oh, man, put that BS with your ex to the side. Go back get with it because y'all made it to the couple. Like, you ain't trying to hear that. You know right. what I'm saying? So it, it, it's that same aspect um, of, of being in a relationship. And the more people, the harder it is. Okay, so, so then we get... A couple albums after that, we get the um, we get to get back. We get, I mean, we get the mixtapes. We get to get back, and we get left back. And then there was no more little brother. Apparently, is that is that correct? That's correct. So I kind of I kind of want to go into how did that the the very end like how did that how did that go about like how how did that end specifically? Um. I mean, it just it, it just kind of ended, man. It wasn't it wasn't planned. It wasn't <clears throat> it wasn't a thing. I mean, it, it was just one of them things where you, you know you look up and it's like, oh, it's over. 
Um, and, and, you know, I mean, obviously there's a lot of things in that that I, I won't get into, but right. it's just one of the things you didn't, you know, as, as a guy coming, coming up, and, you know, younger, obviously I was younger, you didn't think that it would end that quick or that way, but it just kind of ended. And, um, you know, it's one of the things where you can't believe it's over, but, you know, you got to realize it's over, you know, for, for multitude of reasons. So, um, that was kind of it, man. You know, it wasn't like a super, you know, you know, long, drawn-out thing where I saw it coming for months. And it wasn't, you know, it was just one of those things where it just kind of ended, man. And, you know, like that's part of that growing up. And uh, some, some, some not, you know, not willing to compromise as much as you used to anymore. Right. That's kind of, you know, what you can attribute it to, like, uh, that's what I said. Some people, um, some groups realize that, you know, they, they continue, they figure out how to work within the group atmosphere and, you know, what to compromise and what not to compromise and all them different things. And some don't, you know what I mean? And, uh, we just got to the point where, you know, continuously compromising everything we had to compromise for the greater good of the group wasn't working anymore. Right. So now in, in between that time that I talked about, uh, sleepers happened which was your first solo joint. Um, how, how did it feel to kind of, you know, like spread your wings on that joint? Man, that was probably, still is one of my proudest moments. Um, you know, I didn't know how the record was going to be received. Uh, I mean, obviously, I thought that did a good project, but it's one of them things where I I was constantly questioning myself and my ability, you know, and I was always getting pushed um, by... You know, one of my best friends and my manager, Big Doe, to, you know, continue to work. And uh, he kind of pushed pushed me into doing that project. I mean, because I had, I always had tons of material. I just never doing anything with it. And, um, you know, for that, that was like a coming out party for me and for Christ, you know, for that matter. You know, it was just us pretty much for the span of some months, excuse me, just going in and working. As it, it used to, a lot of times it used to be just me and him in there, mm. um, just working on the project. So um, that was definitely a proud moment because that was our project. You know, I didn't, you know, Knife didn't, he didn't come in until the end to help sequence it, but he didn't really help with the project. Um, Tay wasn't there at all for the project. Um, Joe would come in and out, you know, but he kind of let us do our thing. So that was a very proud moment for me. That's for sure. Um... Now, now, fast forward a few years. Now you had the uh, the Fat Boy Fresh uh, series of joints. Um, now the Where's Buffy podcast the the title the the name our name comes from um, me and my co-hosts are, are both you know what I mean uh, flying fluffy gentlemen right so <laughs> we you know what I mean it's, it's two of us you know what I'm saying and we we you know equal it out to the Fat Boys where he would be. You know, Cool Rock Ski, and I'll be Prince Monkey D, but where's Buffy? All right? Right. So, that, you know, that whole movement, I was like, yeah, you know, that, that made me want to ride a little, you know, like, ride with you even more. Just, you know, yeah, that's what I'm saying. We got something, you know, one of us got something to say. <laughs> but, um, man, you put out a lot of, a lot of music, man. And then, fast forward to my birthday last year, I end up going into, uh one of the last dying, like, mom-and-pop record stores in Baltimore. 
And I go in just because it's a record store and we were waiting. Um, we were waiting for something else. And I go into the store and there's a rapper pool album. And it was word paid, words paid pictures. And I, and I was like, who got something out? And I just, I didn't even think about it. I grabbed it, man. And it was incredible. Not that, you know, I didn't um, already like your music, but then it was, it was something different. You had a little more, uh, you had, you had a little more to say. You had your fist up with that project, man. Talk about that. Um, for me, that was, that project, you know, up until that point, um, the, the, the songs and records I made, obviously they came from a personal perspective, but it was just, you know, I was just talking about me, talking about me, talking about me. And, um, and obviously as you grow, you know, each year you blessed on this earth, you should have more to talk about. But, um, I just got to a point where, you know, a lot was going on, the Mike Brown, the Ferguson had went on, and, um, obviously Trayvon Martin had went on and, you know, more and more things are going on and I found myself trying to figure out what I, what, what did I want to do and what could I do? You know, that for me, that would make a difference. And I decided to use, you know, my God given talent and my tool and that's my voice. And what I wanted to do was make something that could last forever. And, um, and so when I actually started out making this project, like, the first song I did for this project ain't had nothing to do with nothing. It was just a song. Okay. And I ended up ended up scrapping that once I started making more records. And the more I got into it, the more I really, 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 really wanted to get into it. And that's kind of how that how that developed. And I was just watching everything that was going on around and, um, you know, reading the stories and seeing what was going on on TV. And I just wanted to rock, write about it and, you know, give people my perspective on how I felt about certain things. And, and it kind of lets you in a little bit to to how I think. Like, you know, I, I don't, up until that time, I didn't do a lot of political or social things. You know, I, I didn't really talk about them to that magnitude, but that gave people a little, it gave them insight to, to, to how I was thinking and, and how I, I decided to live my, uh, my life, at least on that level. So um, that definitely, that project definitely meant a lot. Um, to me as well, but for different reasons, because that was the first time I was exposing myself, um, exposing my, my ideology and my political beliefs. So, um, you know, that, that was a project I, I took a lot of pride in. I still take pride in that project. It's, 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 That's it's, why I had the, the artwork represented, you know, that the time, you know, the, with the dead, young black male uh, with the crown, the king crown with his hands cut in the bullet hole. That's why I that's why I made sure the artwork had that type of statement to it. That's that's definitely what's up. And that, that was all Apollo Brown beats, is that right? All Apollo Brown. That's oh, so you're on um, Mellow. Uh, was that Mellow Music Group? I did a two two album uh, project, two album deal, excuse me, with, uh, with Mellow. Okay. Back in 2013, and that was the first project we put out. Ah, okay, okay. Shout out to Nick and Wonder. Um, so and then. Home Sweet Home. Then I found out about Home Sweet Home, funny enough, from Instagram. Um, I, honestly, you posted it on Instagram. I said, what is that? You posted the link. I grabbed the CD, man. And it's another banger with, with another one producer uh, album. Am I correct? Correct. All natural. 
Ah, uh, nine. So that's he's from VA as well. Yeah, he's from Norfolk, Virginia. Okay, so okay, yeah. So, um, talk about Home Sweet Home. Um, what what what's the, first of all? Explain to me the artwork on the um, on, on the actual cover of the CD with the uh, the chicks and, and the house and all that. Yeah, that's my guy. Uh, shout out, he the, the same guy that did where the same pictures did home. You know, uh, long time friend. We actually went to college together. Uh, uh, my guy Tobias Rose over at Complex Creative. Um, he he did the artwork, and I and I gave him. I just told all I told him about the album. I didn't let him hear anything. All I told him was, you know, the album's called Home Sweet Home, and it, it basically was about being back home. Okay. And that's all I told him. And so. Knowing not production and knowing me, he um, set off. You know, I gave him a, a little idea of what I was thinking visual wise, and he took it to another level. And um, he wanted to create something that, you know, the reason why he used the women um, and had them dressed the way he had them dressed in the type of house it was, he wanted people to think step for a while. Okay. And um, and but then he put the twist on it by having the women with tattoos. Right, you know, so and so it gave you it was it was different. It was like okay, I know what that is, but I don't know what it is. And it, it represents the, the new idea of what home is. That's that's kind of what he was going for. Um, and I loved it when I saw it. Like you know, he, he was he would send me pictures and tell me what he was doing, and I loved it. So uh, that's kind of what we want. What we was going for with the with the whole the whole um, artwork. Um, he always take things a step that further, you know, I give him my ideas and then he he takes those and recreates it in his own vision and that's why I love uh working with him. Uh, so now now to the music, I I, I I was listening to the album man and it's you sound more aggressive on this album, like flow wise to me. Um did you do anything different, you know what I mean, as far as your preparation, as far as your writing process? Nah, I, I mean, I, I always try to do something different with these projects. Uh, sometimes it's subtle, sometimes it's not. And, uh, you know, my, my goal is to improve on, you know, areas of my songwriting that I need to improve on or delivery or whatever it is. And for this record, you know, just the beats that um, I was choosing required me to do something different. And that's what I love. And then coming off of... Um, you know, working on the Apollo project where things were basically at one pace, I wanted to wanted to vary that a little bit, put more dynamic in it. Because the crazy thing is, I had done most of the Knox album, okay. stopped, did the Apollo album, then went back and finished the Knox album. Ah. Like, that's how, that's how I went. Like So it was one of those things where even as I came back, I had to readjust some of what I was doing on the Knox album just so it, it can feel different from the Apollo album as far as I was concerned. And um, that's it, man. I, I think it's just it's part of my development and part of uh, adjusting to what to the beats at that point in time. You know, a lot of artists, you know, they either pick the same type of beats over and over again or they never, or they just do them over and over again and never adjust to, to what it is they're on. And I like to adjust to my soundscape. Okay, now there was those those one record where you talked about uh, grandma. I like to see you with a little less weight on you, and then you talked about uh, some health problems. You care to get into that at all? Yeah, I, um, well, that was actually two different songs. Right, uh, right. 
the first one, it was just more of me detailing. Well, I explain it like this. I have three interludes on the album. Uh-huh. Welcome home, homemade, and home sweet home. Right. And it's actually one story. So, um, it's a long story. I just broke it into three different vignettes, three different parts. And it's basically me coming home, because I don't go home often, and that's, that's even been true life. So it was about me coming home and everything that takes place with me coming home in the span of a day. And that's kind of how my life is. Like, even when I go home, I'm home for like a day or two, and I'm done. Yeah. So um, I just based it around, you know, fictitious coming home to a cookout type of scene. And, uh, and then... You know, I, the crazy thing is when I put that line in there, I didn't even think about, you know, the, the, the song Jesus, which would end up following. I didn't think about none of that. But, uh, you know, that that's at that time I had actually lost, like, 40 pounds. Wow. Okay. So when I would go home, my grandma had passed. She, she passed already, but even my mom, she would be like, yeah, you're looking good, you know, with the weight off you and things like that. So, um, so... The song Jesus, which is the one you talk about with the health problems, right. like uh, I asked you four years ago to this time period, this week, um, I was diagnosed with a blood clot. I had a DVT on my leg, and it broke off and went into my lung. And and I was flying around with it and didn't even know. And you know what I'm saying? I could have I could have died. Wow. Like I didn't even, you know, I got. I got home off a trip and I was feeling super bad. I was like, I can't, you know, can't breathe. Walk up a flight of steps, can't breathe. Uh, I thought I was getting pneumonia because I was in cold weather climate. Mm. And uh, come to find out, because uh, my leg was hurting, I thought I had strained the calf muscle jogging because I was doing a lot of jogging. And then, because I was in them cold weather climate, I thought I was getting pneumonia on top of that. Mm. So I went to the doctor and found out I had a blood clot. And, and everything that happened, I ended up being in the hospital for four days. Wow. So that song, Jesus, was basically my thoughts as I was laid in the hospital. Hmm. Like, the four days in the hospital was a long time. <laughs> like, long-ass time. And then just really realizing, like, yo, you almost was taking off this earth. Like, mm-hmm. you know, because they kept saying it to me, and then it didn't really hit me till later. Like, yo, I, I could have died. Like, you know, I could have been up out of here, so... That's what the song Jesus was about, man. It's just my my mind spinning as I was laying in the hospital. Bed. That's what's up, man. You were definitely two for two last year, album wise, man. The with the EP and then Home Sweet Home. But um, you started back with uh, Pool on Sports, man. What's that? Yeah, Pool on Sports is basically um, it's simple, man. It's my take on sports. Uh, I'm a big sports fan, big sports fanatic, and um. You know, I love talking about sports. I love watching sports. I love going to sports events. And, you know, it's a thing I started years ago, um, back in 06, 07, I believe. 07, I believe it was, um, where I was just giving my take on sports. And uh, I had a good run. I did, like, a 10-show run uh, back in, like, 2011 um, with me and Big Doe was my co-host. <sighs> And we did we did ten shows and it was it was awesome, man. It was off filter, unbridled. It was just we just I picked the topic and we just go, uh-huh. and it worked. And um and then I ended up moving like we both moved from where we were, so we weren't near each other anymore. And um 
So I shut it down for a while. Then I started it back up, and I was just doing NBA. And uh, I had another, like my brother, Poe, and then I had uh, another cat, Drew. And we were just doing NBA. But I, I, the chemistry, we never could get the chemistry right like I needed it. So I ended up shutting it down again. And I came back at, towards the end of last year with Pool on Sports Straight Talk, and that was just me. Like, it was just me coming in, and I'll just pick a topic, something I wanted to talk about, and i just go. And I and I started doing that because that allowed me, one, I didn't have to, you know, dedicate as much time to it. And then, two, it allowed me to just get, you know, 10 minutes, run off what I need to talk about. And I could do that every day, or I can do it once a week, or I can do it two times. Like, it didn't have to be specific, you know, because it was just me. I can just walk into my little studio in the crib, lay down what I need to lay down, and let it go. Um, so that's what it was, man. Just just trying to think of different ways to really um, talk about sports, man. Like, like I said, I, I love to talk about sports. And, uh, and you know, I got a couple other ideas. Obviously, the poor sports straight, straight talk will be back soon. And then I have other ideas, you know, that I want to do as far as sports is concerned. But that's that's a big part of who I am, though. Right. So you, you say you stick with the, the, the home teams. Uh, specifically, who, who, who are you following? Uh, Redskins fan, Wizard fan, uh, Capital fan. I mean, I'm not that much of a hockey watcher, but I'm a Capital fan. Right. Uh, I differ for baseball. I'm actually a, a Baltimore Orioles fan. I'm not a Washington Nationals fan. Uh, the Nationals didn't exist when I lived up there. It was They were the Montreal Expo, so I never switched over. Plus, I'm an American League guy anyway. Uh-huh. Um, a Baltimore Orioles fan. I'm a Maryland Terrapin fan. Um, I'm a Georgetown Hoyer fan as well. Uh, I just lean towards the Terps whenever they play each other. Uh, and then uh, for college football, I'm actually a Notre Dame fan. Hmm. Um, yeah, and that's, you know, a lot of people be like, huh? And But what it is, you know, growing up in Northern Virginia and even the D.C. area, college football wasn't really the thing up there. Right. Um, and so... It's not like down south where, you know, if you know you this region, you're going to get Georgia every week or you're going to get South Carolina or whoever it is. We didn't have that. It right. was whoever it was playing. and But the only team you were guaranteed to see every Saturday was Notre Dame. Right, because they had that deal with NBC. Yeah, because they had their deal with NBC before everybody and their mama had their own TV network. They were the only ones with a deal. And so... That's who I saw every week. I knew I could count on seeing them every week. I could learn players. I could, you know, know the coach. I could understand. I could get a deeper in, in, insight to who they were. So I just ran with Notre Dame, and I've been running with Notre Dame since late eight. Okay. So, all right, well, we'll start We'll start with your, your skins. Um, I, I, I personally am the anti-skin fan. Um, I'm from the area, but I, I trend mostly Baltimore, and we didn't have a team, kind of like your story with, uh, um, with 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 the O's. I, we didn't have a team, so I just um, I just picked mine, and I just went with the uh, the blue team with the stars and the hats. Um, so we, we'll start with brother brother Robert Griffin. Um, we all know y'all not eating that 16 this year. Uh, do where you think he goes? I have no idea where he goes. I mean, it's a couple of different options out there for him. He gets, you know, uh, Houston need a quarterback. Mm-hmm. The Rams need a quarterback. Uh-huh. Cleveland needs a quarterback. Uh, then obviously the teams that need backup. So, I, I mean, 
I think it's just about for him. He needs to go somewhere where he he will be a good fit. I yeah. think that's part of. I mean, among other problems, that was part of the problem in Washington, uh, especially when they brought in Jay Gruden. Oh, yeah, he was he he didn't fit the offense anymore. Right. And you know he needs time to. You know they tried to put him into that that style of offense without him growing it's like you need to be able to grow into that offense. Like you can't just pop off and, you know, you go from being a zone read quarterback one day to being a you know, a variation of the West Coast offense the next day. So uh, I think he needs time to really grow into being the quarterback that he's gonna become. Um and, and he needs to find a team that's gonna tailor their offense to fit his skill set until he can Tell he's able to do other things. I mean, as we saw this year, you know, a lot of people don't think scheme, but as we saw this year, Peyton Manning was a certain type of quarterback, hmm. and Gary Kubiak's scheme didn't fit who with the type of quarterback Peyton Manning was, and he had trouble running that scheme. Now, as great of a quarterback as Peyton Manning is, yes, I know he was debilitated this year. He wasn't the same, but as great of a mind and a quarterback as Peyton Manning is, one of the all-time greats. He didn't fit his scheme, and that's what that's what football is all about: is putting players in the correct scheme to maximize their talent. And RG three needs to go somewhere where he can be in the best position to maximize the talent. Oh, 49ers need a quarterback. Well, oh, that was my next question. You think him and Chip will match up? I think they actually could match up well. Um, I, I think the way that Robert Griffin would like to play and can play will match up well with. With Chip Kelly, uh, the type of offense he has, I think that actually be a good. If, if Colin Kaepernick actually, you know, wiggles his way up out of San Francisco, I think uh, I think that should be one place. I think them two would end up being a good match for each other. Yeah, they said something about uh, the Jets and Kaepernick recently. I think is what I heard. I think he. Yeah. He 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 said he wanted he wanted to go to New York. Um, I don't think he really would be in New York. Nah. <laughs> I don't think I don't think he, I don't think that's where he really wanna be. <laughs> um so so we talked about Peyton. Um uh, of course you watched the Super Bowl. What were your thoughts? Defense wins championships, man. Mm. Uh, Peyton Panda didn't do anything. You mm, know, uh, didn't. it was more like it was more like don't mess up what we already uh what we got going, you know, that's he was out there to not mess up, to not lose the game, mm-hmm. not to win it. And uh, that defense, man, it just it, it, it turned the Carolina offense inside out. And because uh, without them two turnovers, the score was ten to nine. Yeah, Carolina. You know what I'm saying? So uh, that's why Von Miller the MVP, and that just goes to show you that uh, you know you can have the best offense in the world, but if your defense ain't ain't right. It's gonna be hard to bring that big that big trophy home. Yeah, that, I mean that hurt my feelings seeing um, D. Ware and uh, Wade Phillips out there. You know what I mean, doing what they do. Like ah, we could we could held on to them. Um, what's up? With, what, what do you think about all this Cam versus the entire Earth stuff right now, or the the Caucasian Earth? Um, they everything he's doing, of course, up led up into. You know, there was some problems with this and that, and now he'd have walked off an interview, and they, they're killing him still. Yeah, man. I, you know, I, I think Cam realized that it, he's 
no matter what he do, you know, being him is they don't like him being him. Mm-mm. And uh, and and he, and I think he just got to a point where he just realized like it doesn't even matter anymore. And um, you know, they want him to be like you know these other guys, and that's not who he is. And what they're going to soon find out is. You know, this new age of player coming up is more like Cam Newton than like Peyton Manning. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, they they are 13 years apart. You know that's you know that's a generation apart. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, um, I just think it's a thing they, you know, it's it's some it's some race in there, mm-hmm. uh, but. I, I don't know, man. It's just one of the things where I, I just find it is is odd. It's like you see um, Aaron Rodgers out there smiling, having a good time, doing what he does. Nobody says anything. You see, uh, not Peyton, you see um, Tom Brady out there cussing out players, getting at them, getting in their face, and it's like, oh, he's such a competitor. And, you know, I just don't think they like Cam Newton, to be honest, man. I don't I don't think they want to see. And, and I, it, it got worse because he's actually succeeding now. Right. That's, that's the thing. It's like, not only are you winning, you're having a good time with it. Right. Nah, we don't like that. We don't like that. <laughs> and and I think that's the thing, because they didn't like him to begin with. You know, most of the people said he was phony and all that when he was coming out in the draft. So that just keeps carrying over. And um, Him walking off the podium gave him more fuel. Mm-hmm. But after seeing and understanding why he walked off the podium, like it wasn't as bad as, as I thought it was. It wasn't as bad as others, you know, might have thought it was. But I think at that time, they definitely was going to use that. And that's something he has to realize, that mm-hmm. they're going to use things like that against you, regardless of the circumstance. They're going to use that against you. And I just felt he should have just stayed up there and, you know, he was going to have to take it. Like he should have just stayed up there and took it. And it's hard. Definitely not what you want to do, fresh off losing the biggest game of your life. And hearing, you know, a opposing player right next to you talking talking smack. But mm-hmm. that's something, you know, I think that was just the wrong point. I think he'd be able to handle it better, you know, if he was put in that situation again. Um, but, you know, I, I have no problems with Cam Newton, man. I, I enjoy seeing him. I actually wanted him to win just so he can dab on him. Um, <laughs> in the post-game and really piss him off. Oh, you know what I'm saying, personally. Yeah, you know, I ain't even a Panther fan, but I just wanted to see that just to see it. So. Um, but I, I think he's going to be all right, man. I, I think he understands who he is. He's comfortable with who he is, and that's all that matters. Yeah. Yeah, I don't see him being that far off. Um, speaking of great teams, though, uh, is Golden State, um, are, are they, you think they can do that 72-10? and 10? I think they can. I mean, unless they start sitting people or catastrophic injury, man, they 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 cleaning the flow up, man. Like, and I think what helped them more than anything is coming back this year. They, you know, a lot of teams get complacent after winning. They came back with a bigger chip on their shoulder because all the talk was they got lucky. Oh, you didn't have to play this team on the way to the finals. Oh, you played a hurt Cleveland team that was missing two of their big three. And I think all that meant something to them. It was like, oh, what? Like, you know, so now y'all trying to put an asterisk by our championship. 
And, uh, and so now they, they, it's like they have to prove, like, it was a fluke. And we understand it wasn't a fluke. Like, they're just a well-oiled machine, man. Everything works. Like, everything works. They play defense. They can shoot the lights out. They get easy buckets. They can run. They can play half court. Everything works. You think it's possible that uh, Steph gets MVP and most improved player? Nah, they're not going to give him both. <laughs> I mean, he's got players. an argument. He's more efficient. He's playing better. With He's doing better numbers with less minutes. It, I Man, mean, it's, I it's possible. A, a, player of that, a player of that caliber, with, with, unless he's coming back off of injury, he's not getting most improved player. <laughs> like, he, he's not getting it. The most improved player is going to go to somebody like... Um, Reggie Jackson or mm. uh, somebody who had a subpar year and came back and bounced back, you know, had a tremendous year, you know, like something like that. It is not going to Steph Curry would never be. Only way Steph Curry is in the running for most improved players is Steph Curry have, uh, you know, all of a sudden go down to score a seven-point game. He just played very unlike Steph Curry. <laughs> and then he bounced back and had this type of season. But because his efficiency is improved and less than all that, they're not going yeah, no most improved player. That'll that'll almost be like a smack in the face if you look at past um, most improved players. Like <laughs> MVP a bust for him. Yeah, yeah. Um, question. You're 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 pretty big an NBA fan. Am I correct? Yeah. Where are the fives? Like, I, I'm. I, I I you know I grew up in the era of 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 Ewan and 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 Shaq. And, you know what I'm saying? But it's it's I don't even it's not a five starting in the All Star game this year. It's, it's the way the game is played now, man. Like it's not it's not tailored for traditional big men. Um, it's everybody is pacing space, um, shoot threes because that's that's part of analytics playing a big role in the game. Like analytics tell you. Um, what's the three-point shot, like 23 and a half or something like that? Mm-hmm. Analytics tell you it's better to take that step back and take that three-point shot than taking that that 19-foot or 20-foot jump. That's what analytics tell Okay. Like, it's 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 better to step back and take that three-point shot than take that mid-range jump or take that long two, as they like to call it. <laughs> so once you do that, you start spreading the floor out. And when you spread the floor out, you don't have a traditional four anymore. You don't have a traditional five anymore. Yeah. And that's kind of the way the game is played now. Every once in a while, you'll get, you know, a big man to come through and, you know, and, and it'll be like, oh, yeah, we got to, you know, this is a big man of the future. And that's every once in a while. That's not all. Mm-hmm. So that's just kind of the way the game is played. Even big men now, they don't play like traditional big men, you know. They they want to they want to get up and down the court and you know dribble and be able to step out at fifteen feet you know things like that that's just the product of the way the game is played man I you know if the game was more half court back to the basket then you'll get more of those type of big men but you know now we seeing all our six ten six ten big men six yeah six ten six eleven big men out there trying to shoot fifteen footers. <laughs> You know, run, run and dunk, and you know, like even now the big men we got, now they Jordan, now they jumping. Mm. You know, they don't have real big men moves like Pat Ewan and Akeem Olajuwon. You know, they play like uh, they 
you know, they like glorified forwards, basically. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't they don't have any offensive game besides the putback and the lob. Mm-hmm. Like that's their game. Like they they're out there to grab rebound, block shots, and catch lobs. That's their game. And you know, you you every once in a while you have a player like Okafor come in who's more of a traditional being. You know, he played a he played a half court back to the basket, got the moves, and you know. Those are good players, but they're not sexy to the NBA right now. Right. Like, oh, they're not a sexy player in the NBA right now. Right. You know, because he's not uber-athletic, and that's kind of where it went to. Now everybody wants the uber-athletic guy. Um, Brown went 21-10-10 last night, right? So, so what? So what? Brown went 21-10-10 last night. Okay. Um, A couple of weeks ago, Draymond, who has a bunch of triple doubles this year, says he was actually chasing stats. When you go twenty-one and then you just get to that ten and ten, you think Bron's chasing stats too? Uh, probably so. I mean, I, I think I think if he, I think some people chase. You know, depending on if they if they're made aware of where they're at. Yeah. Um, I believe some people will chase the stat, like. If you know you're, you know, you come to the sideline and somebody tell you, hey, man, you only two rebounds off of that triple-double, I think you're going to go out there and chase it. It's, just, it's a human thing. It's not, you know, that's just what it is. I mean, if depending on, you know, what a game is, like, but that's a human thing. You know, some people want it, and they'll chase it. So I'm not, I don't know, I didn't see that game last, last night, but I don't know if he chased it or not, but I'm pretty sure... If, if players are made aware of where they are as far as their stats and they find out they're close to certain things, they're going to chase it because they want it. So, you know, I, I think that's just the nature of, you know, human nature. Um, you know, that's why I – you can all – and sometimes you can tell who's not. Like, it was times, you know, I watched all of the Wizard games, and there's always been times where John Wall was close to triple-doubles. Um you know, he'll just be about three rebounds off, four rebounds off, because it's mostly rebounds that leaves him short of triple double. And and I and I honestly believe he doesn't know how close he is to that triple double. Because if he did, I think he would chase more rebounds than what he does than what he does. Right. And and then and so so like I said, I think it just depends on if players are made aware of how close they are to certain things. And then that, cause I know, I mean, like, it's human nature, man. If I know, you know, you get, you grab two more rebounds, man, you got that triple double. I'm going to be out there fighting for rebounds instead of doing what I, what I'm supposed to be doing. If that, you got to be the first one back on the break, your, your rotation, you got to go make sure this guy don't leak out. Like, and I'm, I probably find myself down there trying to grab rebounds because I'm trying to get that triple double. Like, it's human nature. Yeah. I mean that's that that's 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 legit. Um, I I just thought that was interesting, man. That as far as sports, brother, I I think that's all I have for you, man. And I, I ain't gonna hold you too much longer. Just um, the 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 th- arguably the three top guys in the game as far as young MCs go are Drake, uh, you say Drake, J Cole, and um and Kendrick Lamar. And I, I know you have, a, I, 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 well, I don't know, but I've heard that you had a relationship with Kendrick before, you know, everything really popped off big. But I know at least two, 
those other two guys have a direct, you know, they had a direct branch of the same tree that little brother came from. And I, I always thought that was dope, man. And I think that's, um, so I think, uh, as far as, you know, y'all staple, as far as hip hop goes, I don't think, I don't think that'll go nowhere. Nah, man, I appreciate it, man. Definitely, man. Uh, you know, it's just one of the things is, is dope to even think about and to see that, you know, I mean, I've done work with, uh, Kendrick and, and, and Drake. And of course, I, I have a relationship with Kendrick and, um, you know, I've, I've met and spoken with J. Cole and, and I'm pretty sure we'll be talking more soon. And, um, and it's just, it's just cool to see, man. It's just one of the things where, even though we weren't the huge commercial success that all three of them are, it's still one of them things to know that, you know, a lot of what they do is rooted in, or some of what they do is rooted in, you know, what, who we were. And that's, and that's pretty cool and pretty dope to see. That's what's up, brother, man. I appreciate you, man. Uh, the Wiz Buffy podcast, built for comfort, man, not for speed. You got anything else you want to say to the good people, brother? Man, thank y'all for rocking with me, man. And, you know, I hope y'all went out and got two records for us, paint pictures. All see home and, you know, appreciate all the support, man. All right, brother. I appreciate you, man. All right. Have a good one. All right, man. Peace.